girl, honey, and when he he evil in some of them, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But I like them in uh, Lakeview Terrace battle. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the one. Yeah, he is something else. There's so many villains. <laughs> oh, he got on my nerves in Django. Now oh, that's girl. what I couldn't stand. <laughs> Did you see Django? Oh. I don't think I saw Ooh, oh. nasty, filthy mouth maker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. I'm like, oh. What are you doing on that now? Dead man got. <laughs> Dead man got. You got to find it. It's on uh, which one of those? Netflix. Netflix. It is called Django with Jamie. Jamie Foxx was Django. Okay. It is something else. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson. Child, that man got on my nerves. I don't know if Cameron's like that. Well, Samuel Jackson, something else up in there. Ooh, he ain't no joke. I like a lot of movies, so I'm a movie guy. Yeah, I love movies. Well, I guess mine. Well, he he started off as a bad guy, but he ended up a good guy. Okay. He he was um. So he was he was kind of two, but I got the, the, I got two of them. And one is um, when he told him told him you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you, oh, what? You, you ever saw that movie? Come on, baby. A few good men. A few uh, good men. Oh, I didn't see. I've never seen that. Yeah, you you can't handle the truth. I've never seen a, a few good men. Oh, you got to see that. I've never seen that. Tom Cruise. The second one was, now he started off as a bad guy. He he started off as a bad guy, but uh, Men of Honor. Yeah. Um, he started off. He 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 was a bad guy trying to to trying to train Gooby Cooney Jr. to be uh, a master diver. He wanted to be a master diver, but he ended up being his being the one that got him over. Yeah. To 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 be who he really That's wanted to be. Girl. So you know he he was a villain and a good guy at the same. Now guy. which one? Uh, that was. Uh, De Niro, right? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. De Robert, Robert De Niro. That's a good movie. So, those two are my ultimate I favorite know, movies. No, that's right. And then in the cartoons, I like the Road Runners. Oh, yeah. Oh, now in the I cartoons. Mean, I like the, yeah, now, I like wait a minute, now in the cartoons, I got the ultimate villain, man. I mean, the coyote. I the coyote trying to catch the Road Runner. Mumra. Yeah. Road Runner. Mumra is my ultimate yeah. villain. Mumra? Yeah, you, I know you watched them. Everybody watched it. Y'all y'all don't I know y'all know. I don't know about Thunder. Thunder. Thundercats. Boomer was the enemy. Yes. Ancient evil well, transformed well. this decayed form to Moomra. <laughs> the Ever <laughs> Pepe Lepew. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Oh, he was just such a player. He he was such a player. Pepe just a loving. He was sweet. He kept trying to catch him. He kept trying to catch him. That's what I'm talking about. But that was my boy, though. Pepe, though. He was a lover. He was slick. He was slick. I love Pepe Lepew. Yes, you got a Lord. favorite one? 
with the villains in it, some of them well, games you play. Who is it? Was the who? The Joker. The Joker. I know characters would be. He was so evil, but because of that smile that they cut in his favorite villain. But he would be like, just smiling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm tired, but I'd be like, ooh. No, no, That was one of the folks. It creeped me out. Even talking about him just kind of creeps me out. <laughs> Tommy, who is your favorite villain? Me. <laughs> Himself. Oh my God, he's so bang. I bet you think this song is about you. <laughs> yeah, your favorite. I like that answer. I'm telling you, I like that answer. All right. Yeah, yeah. Captain. Mine was the Joker as well, and then the uh, uh, Spider-Man would have to be the, the dark Spider-Man. Uh, they switched over, he was good, and then got that black Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Who was under that kind of Spider-Man? Was it you all? Because yeah. I, I only saw Spider-Man 1 and 2, I never saw I don't like I super, super mm -hmm. Hebo cards. I saw 3. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 3 is where he um, turns into the black Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. and then, and then the um, another person turns into like an evil version. Yes. Oh, I'm gonna have to look at that because I see them. I can't remember which one of them I see it on. But I'll go through all of them. It's on Netflix. I don't know if it's it's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. The whole trilogy. It gives okay. Spider-Man even more more strength and more stuff. But then when the other guy gets it because of his bad energy, mm -hmm. he became this bad, this evil mm -hmm. villain person that just wanted to. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to look at that. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look at three. Just not one and two. So, yeah. So while the movies we watch are not real life, mm -hmm. sometimes I do. I I love a true story though. I'll watch. I I love to find a movie when I see a true story. Uh -huh. I have Me to watch too. it just Me to too. see <laughs> see about see about it. Mm -hmm. I love a true story movie. So but while the movies we watch, all these villain ones are not true life. They often depict a human experience in true ways. Mm -hmm. Some of the most unforgettable moments in uh, films are delivered by villains who show us vivid descriptions of sin. Exactly what Paul describes in Romans chapter 1. The world is filled with what Paul calls uh, godly godliness and mm -hmm. unrighteousness, which contribute to the disorder of, and chaos swirling around us at the core uh, at, the, at its core it's resulted in madness it can be traced back to a single idea we have a bad habit of of suppressing the truth of, of God and in this session uh, to help us understand how desperately we need the salvation God offers JD explores the bad news of our rejection of God so Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 32. Okay. Romans so, chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 18. That's what he wants to start reading, and then we'll go to 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and un. Righteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, 
for God has shown it to them for since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became fruit, futile, futile, and their thoughts and their foolish hearts were dark. Therefore, go ahead from 22 on. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen next I don't have for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain, God. to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, de deceit, evil-mindedness, they mm. are whisperers, backbiters, mm. haters of God, Jesus, violent, Jesus. proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, mm. undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, who mm. knowing the righteousness judgments of God, that those who practice such mm. things are deserving of death. Yes. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Mm. Mm. Lots of things in there. Just yes, it is. Uh -huh. Yes, it and is. And I like the title here. It says God's wrath against sinful humanity. So you don't need to. Do you know that there's got to bring people, that hammer down? There are some people <laughs> that think that they are. Um, they won't get God's wrath. Yeah. They think they can do anything that they want to do. And God's wrath does not pertain to them. Or either they don't just don't care. I tell you one thing, I'm scared of him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll tell you that much. I'm afraid of God. Cause honey, when he gets ready to throw that wrath, I, my first fiance, I never saw him again once he told me he was an atheist. Never saw him again. You don't believe in God? Mm -mm. Yeah. No. Yeah, so 
we're going to watch the video here. The first four questions there are what we're looking for in the video. So okay. what questions is Paul trying to answer in verses 18 through 32? So what, what questions is he trying to answer? And then according to Paul, how does God reveal himself to us? Then how does God reveal himself in us? Mm -hmm. And then what three forms does suppression of the truth take? So four, uh, four questions there. human race is united by its common problem we have rejected the authority of god and despised his glory for this paul says all of us the whole human race stands condemned you'll never appreciate the solution if you don't feel the gravity of the problem you'll never run to jesus for salvation if you don't know how desperately you need to be saved why well, because we wanted to make the rules. Romans is a book all about the gospel, written for Christians to take them deeper into the gospel. Paul builds his case for the gospel in the book of Romans in a very logical type way. I love it because throughout the book, Paul, it's like he anticipates the objections of his readers and then answers them. So in verse 18, Paul anticipates the first question that he believes his readers will have after his declaration that he is not ashamed of the gospel and willing to die for it. He hears in his head someone say, why, Paul, would you insist that Jesus is the only way and why would you be willing to pay for that belief with your life? You know, Paul did not get in trouble here in Rome for teaching religion. There were lots of religions in Rome. There, were, there was always room for one more. Paul got in trouble and ultimately gave up his life for saying that Jesus was the only way. You see, Roman society in Paul's day only had two rules about religion. Rule number one, you can worship any God you want. Just rule number two, don't say your God is the only God or that your way of salvation is the only way. In fact, on top of the Pantheon, which was a big temple that housed all the gods represented in the Roman Empire, on the top was a little seal that said Caesar, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Romans were like, look, you can put whatever God you want to in here in the pantheon. Just acknowledge that Caesar is the king of kings and lord of lords. Mm -hmm. So why, Paul, would you insist that Jesus is the only way and that he is the king of kings and lord of lords if you knew that one claim was going to cost you your life? Mm -hmm. These are the questions Paul now turns to in Romans 1.18. He's going to explain why the gospel is humanity's only hope and how the truth about the gospel fundamentally rewrites the narrative of the human race in a way that produces a new humanity that brings the peoples of the world back together. To do that, he's going to first show us that all peoples of every culture are united in their rejection of God. He's going to show us that no matter who we are or where we've grown up, we've shown an attitude of hostility toward God. So here we go, verse 18. Paul says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people. There's two dimensions of sinfulness Paul talks about here. Godlessness means wrong attitudes toward God. It's a corruption in our vertical relationship. Instead of being submissive to God, we're rebellious. Instead of being humble, we're proud. Instead of being glory givers, we're glory takers. 
The second word, unrighteousness, points to a corruption in our horizontal relationships. Instead of being loving, humble, and truthful with each other, we tend to be self-centered, proud, and manipulating. Mm. God's wrath is against anybody in these two categories mm. because they, watch this, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Mm. These attitudes of our hearts make us suppress or push down the truth about God that we see. Mm. Now, hear this. Suppression is not the same thing as ignorance. Suppression right. means that the truth is in there, but you kept yourself from acknowledging mm -hmm. it. The truth about God, Paul says, is like a beach ball that you're trying to hold under the water. It keeps trying to come to the surface, and you keep pushing it down. That's what the knowledge of God is like, Paul says. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. By the way, I, I love the New King James Version here. It's how I memorized this growing up, so let me use it here. For God has shown it to them. Two places God has revealed himself to all of us, Paul says. First is to us and also in us. Let's consider the to us part. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Creation, or what we see all around us, declares to us the reality of the power of God. Just behind me and to my left is the, the Sistine Chapel, uh, the ceiling of which is one of the most famous paintings in the world depicting the majesty of God's creation all around us. Instinctively, we know, just by looking around us, that nothing times nobody can't equal everything. Creation's beauty and magnificence whisper to us that there is a wise and powerful creator behind it all. Secondly, Paul says God has revealed himself, to use the New King James words, in us. Our internal longings for love and, and meaning that, that just arise from our hearts, our longing for eternity, points to the fact that we're more than just a, a cosmological accident. We are created in God's image, which is why we long for meaning and immortality. It's why we're scared of death. It's why we have an internal sense of right and wrong. Animals don't have that sense, but, but we as humans do because we are made in the image of God. These things testify to us that we are more than just accidental biology. Someone may never even have heard God's name, but their hearts instinctively know that he is there. Every human ever born knows that, Paul says, but we have all suppressed it. Verse 21, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Inwardly, we don't want to embrace the truth about a glorious, all-powerful, holy, ruling God. We don't want that to be true. Why? Well, because we wanted to make the rules. We wanted to take God's glory for ourselves. We wanted to be the center of the universe, the center of attention. We wanted to use our lives to please ourselves. Sin can be understood just by looking at the word sin. The middle letter is I. I want to be at the center instead of God. I want to make the rules instead of God. I want to call the shots instead of God. Inwardly, that's what every human now wants, and that makes us suppress the knowledge of God that creation and our consciences testify to us. Now, follow this. Paul says that suppression takes one of three forms. The first is disobedience. We rebel against the knowledge that we have. In chapter two, Paul's gonna explain that all of us, both religious and irreligious, fail to live up to, to whatever standards of right and wrong we establish for ourselves. We disobey what we know to be right. Secondly, our suppression can take the form of distortion. That is, we reshape God into a deity that, that we prefer, that we can manage or manipulate, a God who 
serves us or caters to our preferences. That's what all false religions do. Paul, Paul talks about this in chapter 1. He says we trade the glory of the eternal God for something we can substitute for him, something we can manipulate and control. That's going to take the form of idolatry or, or false religion. Thirdly, our suppression can take the form of denial. We just deny that God exists. This would, of course, be atheism or agnosticism. Now, you say, but, but I know some people who are genuinely convinced there's no God. And I don't think they're suppressing the truth. They just they think there's no God. Yes, but Paul is saying that the reason that their minds come to that conclusion is because their hearts don't want the truth about God to be true. So they suppress it. Postmodern philosophy has shown us that the most important factor in determining what we believe with our minds is what our hearts want to believe. Imagine a racist who is prejudiced against a certain kind of person. So he finds reasons to justify his hate. Everything he sees goes through the filter of his dislike of that kind of person. Paul says that the human heart instinctively hates the glory and authority of God. And for many people, that, that colors their interpretation of the evidence that is out there. They come to the conclusion that there is no God because internally it's what their hearts want to do true. Okay. Every human heart is born in a posture of hostility toward God, Paul says. So Paul then explains, verse 28, that this is suppression of the truth and rejection of God has resulted in all kinds of disorder and chaos in our heart. Verse 28, and because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they did not do what is right. Specifically here, they refers to Gentile nations, pagans, those who have never heard about God. But in chapter 2, Paul is going to show us that, that for those of us who grew up religious, our hearts are the same. The best religions in the world, he's going to show us, can't change the fundamental structure of the human heart. So you could read that they here is we. We, the human race, did not want to give God his rightful place in our hearts. So God delivered us over to a corrupt mind. In the next few verses, Paul describes what that corrupt mind looks like. He's going to work his way through every facet of our lives. In verses 26 and 27, he talks about sexual corruption, which covers everything from sex outside of marriage to, to homosexual behavior. Then in verse 29, he says, they're filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. That's economic corruption. He continues, they're full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips and slanderers and Facebookers. That's social corruption. Continuing in verse 30, they are God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil. That's spiritual corruption. They're disobedient to their parents. Verse 31, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. That's family corruption. Sexual corruption, economic corruption, social corruption, family corruption. You see what Paul's doing? He's saying that the effects of our rejection of God are comprehensive. It affects every part of our lives. Our idolatry, the elevation of our desires over God's will, the putting of ourselves at the center instead of him, the refusal to submit to him so that we can do whatever we want, mm -hmm. that has affected, that rejection has affected every dimension of our lives. The curse has affected all of us completely all the way through. The corruption of sin differs from person to person. Some of us are going to struggle with certain sins on that list more than others, but the fall affects us all. And it all goes back to that one root sin we all share in common, the I problem. Like, I want to do what I want to do. The human race is united by its common problem. We have rejected the authority of God and despised his glory. For this, Paul says, all of us, the whole human race, 
stands condemned. Mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be a heavy, almost dark. Yeah. But in order to really appreciate the good news of the gospel, we have to understand the bad news of why we need it so much. Mm-hmm. The Christian philosopher Francis Schaeffer used to say that if he had one hour to talk to somebody about the gospel who had never heard it, he'd spend the first 50 minutes explaining the mess that we're in and only the last 10 minutes giving the gospel as the solution. <clears throat> You'll never appreciate the solution if you don't feel the gravity of the mm-hmm. problem. You'll never run to Jesus for salvation if you don't know how desperately you need to be saved. So as we close out chapter 1, Paul has laid down the first layer of his gospel foundation. All of us, regardless of our culture, background, or race, we are all in desperate need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and his healing from sin. That includes Gentiles, Jews, and you and me. If we're tracking with Paul, most of us will think, well, I had better start getting religious and clean up my act. I need to focus harder on getting better. Isn't religion the answer to our ungodliness and our unrighteousness? To that question, Paul now turns, which we'll learn about in the next section. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Packed a lot of stuff in there, huh? Yes. Paul wasn't playing around. <laughs> no. All this yeah, Paul right. wasn't joking with him, was no. he? He mm-hmm. told you mm-hmm. like it was and mm-hmm. how it's going to be. He didn't hold no punches. <laughs> he tell you like it, T-I-S, like it tells. Right. So what questions was Paul trying to answer here in verses 18 through 32? So one uh, stuck right, uh, right out to me was he was questioning, why do you want to pay, well, use your life to pay for my sin? Why would you want to die for me? He was questioning that right away, right? Why would you give your life to pay for my sin? Mm-hmm. He was also answering, <coughs> he, he, he was questioning, letting everybody know that you all was on an equal plane. Yes. He was on the same fighting ground, mm-hmm. that you all were sinners. <laughs> People in Rome thought they were better. Mm. They thought they were different. Right. They they had they had they had a separate culture. So their culture was supposed to have been superior than any other culture on earth. And Paul wanted to attack that ide- that ideology right. that you are no better than no one else. Mm. It is Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that is superior. Right. He was letting them know nobody is superior. That's right. That's right. Everybody is going to be subject mm-hmm. to the king of kings. That's right. And it's not Caesar. Right. So right. Paul Paul was on a mission. Mm-hmm. See, those verses from, he says from 18 to 32. It's supposed, normally, most theologians go from 15 to, from 15 to 32. That talks about that everybody, I don't care who you are, right. you know there is a God. Right. 
And you can suppress all you want to, but it's going to be foretold that you cannot get away from the ideology that God put it in every individual. I don't care where you look, you cannot get away from it, that you will know that there is a God. God. That's right. And I dare say, even go back to 14, I'll I'll read these verses. Back to 14, it says, I am obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both wise and the foolish. That is why I am eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last, Mm -hmm. just as written, the righteous will live by faith. And Rome had its own ideology because it had so many different, different people used to come to Rome just to say that they believe in this and to believe in that. Mm -hmm. And they could set up anything they wanted to set up. That's why Paul wanted to go there, to destroy all of these false beliefs, to attack them and let them know that this is all hypocrisy. And and so so Paul did what he wanted to do. He wanted to bring the true word of God there. He wanted to bring Christ. So how is God revealing himself to us, according to Paul? He, he reveals himself to us, like Paul says, he says that you could see, you could look around mm-hmm. and see and right. in, in everything that he has created. That's you could right. see, you could see. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you can, you know it inwardly because God put it in and you, you. Yeah. in us that we know if we have a, what we call a conscious mm-hmm. and that conscious will let you know that, that there is that, that you just can't get away from it. It's in you. You know it. Now you can suppress it all you want to, mm-hmm. but there's something that will let you know, even if you don't even know his name, there's something in you that will tell you that this stuff, something is wrong. I could, mm-hmm. Something is something greater. Yeah. You might not know his name, but you will know that there is something greater than yourself. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you, that there is a God in you. And, and, and that's how Paul refers to it. Outside and inside, God reveals himself to every man, every man walking. That's what made the book of Romans so powerful. It's your relationship outwardly and inwardly with Christ Jesus. Did anybody catch what three forms the suppression of the truth take? Yes. The three forms that is take, you can be disobedient. Your disobedience can 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 become a very destructive by nature, and then you can become denial. You 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 can deny it. You just simply just deny. It. And, they deny. They they know what it is, and, and, but the devil is so deep in them that they try to find a way to justify. And and, and 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 then they deny it. And then, yeah. then and then they can distort it. Right. 
you, you know, you uh -huh. just you, you just simply shape it to how you want it to be. Mm. You know, you know how people say, well, God made me this way. God didn't make a homosexual. And the first thing they tell you, well, God knew I was going to, God made me a homosexual. You no, he didn't. You God God made you a man, and lesbians say God made me a lesbian. No, God didn't make you a lesbian. God made you a woman. God made you a man. You took on the form of a homosexual right. or, or a lesbian. You let the adversary lead you that way. And you fell to the desires of the flesh. Okay. That's what you did. You denied the power of Christ and fell to the desires of your flesh. So, you know, so it's, it's just simply your disobedience, your distortion, and your denial. Those are three forms. And that's what Paul addresses through the whole book of Romans. Well, men know what they're supposed to do. They just... Don't do it. They know what they're supposed to do. And you know, and, and there was a time I was the same way. Because I was out there, you know, I didn't think, you know, because I was out there, I mean, this is where a whore, because I was a one man woman. So I'm like, oh, I'm not a whore. But fornication, I was a whore. Because I fornicated. And I know that now. It's a lot of things in the Bible that I misconstrued, but it's a lot of things in the Bible that I hear other people speaking, and they're misconstruing things that's in this oh, yes. Bible. Mm -hmm. But everybody better realize right now, this is coming into fruition right now. Oh yeah, yeah. right now. And and I'm trying to get myself ready. I know I. I Deborah G needs a lot of work. I'm not going to say, you know. Well, you're a lot yeah. of woman. Yeah. Hmm? You're a lot of woman. Yes, I am a lot of woman, honey. That's what Paul was trying yes, to get, us, am, get, get us to see, that it, it, it's not just it, it's not us looking through, through the lens of ourselves at other people. It's us looking in the mirror at ourselves mm -hmm. because we all, right. mm -hmm. we all have that that sin nature yeah, we all, we, we all we have that sin nature and the bible and the bible lets us know that it is <laughs> it, not just the, the the sin that that god god hates all sin and all sin is a destructive measure in your life so it's the Bible said if you break one sin, you done broke them all. That's right. You he done said broke, you're guilty of all. You're That's guilty right. of all of them. So if you done turned to told a lie today, mm -hmm. in God's eyes, you done killed, you done did everything. Yeah. Because it's a sin. Everything is a sin. It, it, listen, it's 613 sins in the book of Leviticus alone. Just alone. 613 of them. You Leviticus cannot, is a powerful listen, book. Listen, in, in, in Leviticus, you can't even wear two of the same different type of garments. You can't wear silk and polyester together. That's a sin. Say what? 
You can, you, oh. you can wear cotton and silk, cotton together. That's a sin. That'll send you to hell. That's all kind of laws that they had. It's all kind of laws. Listen, the Bible is a very a live book. This is why we have grace. And mercy, mercy right. today, but it's not looking through the lens at somebody else. Oh. It's looking in the mirror at yourself, so you can take the time to to work on who you. Because we all need help. We all need God's grace and mercy. We all need to to take time out. And, and, and pray for our <laughs> Lord help right. me Help me Lord Help me Because I know I'm falling short Every day Every day I know I'm falling short Of what God's expectation Is of holiness What God's expectation Is of sanctification What God's expectation Is of perfection because all it takes is just one simple act of sin. We already know it's none of us are perfect. That's that, that, that's what Paul is trying to get people to understand. Mm -hmm. And the Romans, you are not that perfection. You you are not them people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not well, popes uh, walking down the middle of the street. Right, right. You so know? so you can't point your finger at nobody. That's what Paul is trying to get people to see from the very opening of the book of Romans. Whenever Romans is teaching, whenever you open up the book of Romans, Romans, the very first chapter, hits you in the face and let you know you can't point your finger at nobody. You can't point that finger because you are have to look at yourself first. And if you look at you first, you come to realize you in worse shape than anybody you know. Well, it's already uh, almost 10.30, so uh, there are a few more questions on here, so I encourage you to take your paper home and uh, read through this again. Yes, I am. And uh, answer these last few questions here. But uh, the last word it says here for uh, this section, Paul makes it plain and Paul makes plain and plight the humankind in these verses. We have rebelled against God, suppressed the truth about God, mm -hmm. and as a result, God has delivered us over to live according to our godliness and unrighteousness way, unrighteous ways. And each of us has participated in the rebellion Paul describes. That's the bad news. But the bad news of unrighteousness wilts. Uh, when compared to the good news of the gospel. God has Amen. given us righteousness to everyone who believes. So remember the bad news. Feel its weight. And then marvel that God in his kindness would deliver his good news to you. Let's pray. Amen. Father God, we are thankful for uh, the words of Paul. And Father, we are thankful that... Um, he tells it to us the way it is, straight and forward. Mm -hmm. Father, we just mm -hmm. we are thank you, uh, thankful for His words today. And Father, we just ask that as we grow uh, deeper in uh, Your Word over the next several weeks uh, in this book of Romans, that You will just reveal to us uh, what You have to say to each one of us. There's something here for for us to take home. 